Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Girl Club. I am Cynthia Garrett, and this is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to apply our real faith. And yeah, for those of you who are actually watching us on live stream, uh, I know you're looking at this going, wait, real girls having real talk? Well, this is my real husband, Roger Charles. (laughs) Hi, everybody. And I asked him to actually sit in with me today because I've I've given my regular girl club tribe a couple of weeks off so that they can get their kids back to school. Um, So to Christina Reynolds, Christina Boudreaux, Nova Page, and recently Summer Garrett, I just want y'all to know I love you and um, we'll be back together next week. So for today, I thought, who better to continue this conversation that we've been having on identity and pruning transition seasons, you know, the kind of pruning that we go through that we really hate because it feels like we're in a wilderness and nothing's going on for us and we don't know where we're going. And, you know, God, what's my life for? (laughs) Where's show me some meaning. I don't know what's going on. You know, all of those voices and those things that come into your head, you know, when you're in a wilderness and you're kind of going, what's this for? Why do I feel like I've lost something? You know? So, um, yeah, I, I kind of thought, well, let's Raj, would you sit down and talk with me a little bit about, you know, this 
topic because it's kind of a big one. And I think it's important for all of us to get breakthrough in this area because I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to throw in the towel on what I promise is, is another great chapter of your life. You know, and I say that to you, even as I say it to myself. So, um, Raj, that is where we have been, you know, and I'm not sure if you heard, uh, last week's podcast, um, what I was teaching on, but I, I do have a question for you that you might be able to kind of give a, given a quick answer to people who are listening. Uh, thank you for those who are listening on podcasts all around the world. Thank you to those who are watching, you know, as we stream all around the world. I, I always say, I always stop and try to rem remember to say thank you because I think it's a real honor that I get to be a part of your, your life and your spiritual journey, you know, to go deeper in your faith and to figure out how to walk through all of these different seasons of our life successfully. So um, don't forget to like us and to subscribe and to share us if you're watching on our YouTube platform. And if you're listening on podcasts, don't forget to write in a comment because the more that you comment, the more that Apple and, and iTunes and all of these different podcast platforms, the more they'll share us. And um, we live in an, a, a world of ridiculous numbers, but we serve a God who goes after the one. I find that to be the most interesting dichotomy of my experience in Christianity that I try to, re, you know, I get told to... It, Remind you guys, you know, you're listening on Life Audio as a platform. We've got great stuff happening on Life Audio as a platform, and we need you to like us and subscribe us and comment and share and do all this stuff that affirms our existence in the universe. I find it to be such an interesting, um, you know, dichotomy that we need all of you to help us increase our numbers so that we can continue to do what we do. However, we serve a God who goes after the one. Like, he literally will leave the masses to go after the one. And so I hope that uh, today, you know, on today's, on today's broadcast and on every broadcast, we're at least reaching the one because that's the most important one. And uh, maybe that one is you today. So thanks for joining. So what is in, in your mind, you know, a pruning season. Like, why does it feel so awful when we're in a wilderness, you know, feeling like, or wondering if we're being pruned, you know? Um, and last week I shared that some of the sort of signs or proof of pruning seem to be loss. Uh, you know, things don't look like they're going anywhere. They look stagnant. Um, you know, there's, there's all this different stuff that seems to be happening in pruning that we really associate with, you know, fear of loss, fear of, uh, fear of a loss of position, a loss of stature, a loss of, you know, an old life, a loss of relationship. A lot of people look behind them at what they left and start going, oh no, you know, makes me think about the Egyptians in the wilderness, right? Like Moses, you've got us in this desert. It wasn't so bad in Egypt, you know, but, you know, the reality was in Egypt, they were slaves, you know, getting beaten every day. It's amazing how we glamorize the stuff that God brings us out of when we're in the wilderness between what he brought us out of where he's taking us. Right? Oh, for sure. And one of their big problems, if you read the text is 
they're actually looking at a land filled full of milk and honey, right? Clusters of grapes like they've never seen and all of this, all of this amazing food. And, but when you read what they say, because at the moment they're living on manna, they're looking back to the food from Egypt, but they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have any great food in Egypt. You know, they were slaves. So, okay. Can I stop you for two seconds? Sure. I got to share a story with you. Um, remember the other night I was watching all those different documentaries about um, Black Wall Street? Yeah. Okay. So if, if you're in America, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably have heard of Black Wall Street, what Black Wall Street was. For those of you around the world, in case you don't know, uh, Black Wall Street was an area of Oklahoma um, right after the slave, after slavery and the you know Civil War era, and um, blacks were segregated. But in that segregation, they were forced to depend on each other, and so they they kind of all came together in this area called I believe it's Greenfield, Oklahoma, and they formed their own city. So they had their own restaurants and their own. Um, hat makers, dressmakers, shoemakers, hotels. There were like five hotels there. I think it was like 30 or 40 blocks of this vibrant community of really upper middle class and affluent blacks who were all forced to take care of each other because they couldn't go into the white restaurants. They couldn't go into uh, white department stores. They, they, they couldn't, they were integrated. They were segregated. There was no integration in America. Well, and then, you know, um, Black Wall Street was destroyed by actually the KKK at the time, burned down, a complete slaughter. It was horrible. But what a lot of people don't know is that they rebuilt. They rebuilt it. I mean, it's amazing. They were wiped out in a day, 300 people murdered, and the entire community was destroyed because the Klan didn't want, they didn't like the success. They didn't like what was happening in this community. And I think, it, and it was fear fear that these blacks might actually get so powerful they take over the entire state. Long story short, they rebuild, but in the rebuilding period, integration happens. And, you know, now, because mind you, in the rebuilding period, the civil rights uh, and, and are still being fought for and, and things are still happening and we finally, you know, get integration. And there's a woman on one of these documentaries I was watching and she's a, she and her family come out of that Black Wall Street um, area in that period. And she's talking about her son as a little boy. And um, and it's a really great story because they're sitting in a white restaurant and they're eating food. And the little boy says, mom, mama, you know, is this what we fought for? And and the And the mom says, son, you know, yes, we fought and died for the right to be equal and to, you know, use the same facilities and shop in the same department stores and eat at the same restaurants. And he looks at her and he says, yeah, but mama, this food's awful. I want to go back to our neighborhood and eat. And it really, it was such a funny story in a serious thing, but it made me laugh because a lot of times we are fighting for things. And when we get them, we realize that, you know, Maybe what we had or where we came from was good also. You know, I won't say better. I won't say worse. I won't even say equal, but maybe it was good, if not better in some ways. So yeah, the Egyptians, I think that's what 
we do tend to do in these wilderness periods is glamorize what we left behind. And we minimize what God did to get us there. They watched God part the Red Sea, swallow the army of the Egyptians. They, you know, all of the the plagues. Yeah. You know, all of it. They've they've somehow minimized all that. They somehow forgot the many miracles that contributed to them being free. So a lack of faith, of course, is what's, you know, talked about uh, for those people that didn't go into the promised land. Right. So there's a land flowing with milk and honey. They won't go into because they forget what their God did for them. Wow. And we all can forget that. We all can forget what the Lord did for us. And, and, and the ultimate insult on that is to forget that Jesus was tortured over a long period of time and died uh, in a grisly death on a cross you know, for us, that we might be free. And yet every one of us, not none of us are excluded from this. Every one of us still sins. Every one of us goes through a moment of rebellion. Hopefully none of us are caught in rebellion because then you're rejecting what Jesus did. But, you know, it is scripture says he who sins forgot that he was purchased from his old sins. And it's true. We forget And that's when we, so to keep in relationship with the Lord is what's critical. It's impossible to walk in the spirit and fulfill the lusts of the flesh, Galatians 5 says. So to walk with him in relationship is what he always wanted. And by the way, what the real thing, the true thing that we forget is his goal isn't for us to be blessed in this life. His goal is to get us into eternity at the very highest place we can get into eternity. That day that we're going to go into eternity is his most important day for my life. Mm-hmm. So when we're being pruned, yes, it might be so we can be more fruitful in the next season of our life, but it could be that we're being pruned for eternity. So many people are given time in a hospital before they die, weeks maybe, um, in an effort for the Lord to get them ready. Wow. It might not be at all for them to get healed and brought back because we're all going to die. Yeah. You know, and it's that day. Mm. And if we forget that day, Jesus paid the ultimate price for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him. He didn't give him like, hey, listen to him. He gave him as a sacrifice so that we might have eternal life. In the minute we forget that and get looking around the horizon here and we forget his goal, we've forgotten the goal. Hmm. And our pruning is yes, so we might be more mature and more fruitful, but we can't forget the ultimate goal. Well, I also think, and I, I mentioned this last week, that it's really important to remember that, you know, when we're being pruned, it's not a punishment. It's actually God's reward. 
Right. It's his love of us. It's it's not. Yeah, there might be, you know, some sin that he's cleaning up or there might be some habits or some things he's cleaning up. Yeah. But I think ultimately it's I mean, it's because he loved us and he loves us. Oh, of course. You know, and, and I think that, you know, I think, though, that it's it's you can't minimize the reality that so many people, you know, feel like like I think it's one thing when you're being pruned and you're young. You feel like you have all kinds of time in front of you, right? You feel like you have time to waste, basically. You have time to spare. You know, time is on your side when you're in your 20s, even your 30s. But I think, and and I had a woman who watches us regularly, Salumbra, and she wrote in a couple of weeks ago, and it was so poignant what she said, because you know that I experienced this. And what she said was, I want to know what it's like. Basically, I want to know what it's like to enjoy living not just to live, you know, I, and, and I, you know, I, I wonder, well, could someone like her and she's 57, you know, could someone like her, is that a pruning season that she's in? Or is that just that place? I know that place, you know, it's, it feels isolated. It feels, you know, she's, she's lost her husband. Um, I know what the threat of that feels like, but even, with the reality of you here, I know what that feeling is. I because I think as you get older, you do begin to you you do, you you do feel like maybe your time, maybe it passed you in some way. Maybe you know. I think you start to question, and then that questioning makes you really vulnerable. And so that's the easiest place for the enemy to come in with all of his stuff. Yeah. You are too old. Yeah, you are a sinner. You're so imperfect. God can never love you. God can never use you. He can't bless you. Oh, what a mistake that prior season was in which you decided to leave whatever your Egypt might have been, you know, and come over here. You know, it's, I mean, there's a cycle of stuff that happens in the mind. So how do we, how do we break through that? so that we can enjoy living. How do people do that? Yeah. You know, Solomon was in Ecclesiastes. Um, He boils things down. So simple. Eat of the fruit of your hands. Love God. Do what God says and be happy. And, you know, I'm putting my paraphrase on it, but the thing of it is, is I know you know this, and I, but we both know this. There's been periods in our life where we've worked day and night without end because mm-hmm. it's crazy. And that happened to both of us before we met and after we met. Yeah. And I remember I was working so hard and flying to so many cities. And I know to some people, this sounds like glamorous, right? And, you know, if you're doing it for the first time, it is glamorous. Right. But when you've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, there came a point where I had gone to Hawaii, not looked at the ocean, gone to the Caribbean, not looked at the ocean, gone to New Orleans and not eaten any food. 
Just go in, get the job done, get back out as fast as possible. And I am in a limousine. And there's a lot of people that have never been in a limousine. And there's certainly many more that have not been in a limousine like the one I was in. And I had flown into New Orleans. They picked me up in a limo, drove me um, to a property that I was to take care of designing. And I'm laying down on the floor of a limo. I have all to myself. And I am crying out to God saying, why me? Because I literally am not enjoying a single thing. And I am saying to God, I would rather work at McDonald's and stay at home than do this. I would rather work at Taco Bell. I would rather. And God basically said, if that's what you really want, but I didn't make you choose for you to do this. You did. And I made a choice on that trip that I would enjoy a dinner in New Orleans next time I come. And I would stop and have a coffee there too, because their coffee is different. And I, next time I went to the Caribbean, even if I couldn't go in the water, I would run down, take off my shoes and put my feet in the sand and get my feet wet. I would take just a little bit of time to enjoy what God had given me. And you don't have to go to the Caribbean to do that. Right. You can sit and relax with a tea. You can stop for a minute and just enjoy your life because God's given you your life to enjoy. You can stop the train. Right. The train in your own mind. Yeah. And by the way, you know, there's a movie that we both love with Jim Caviezel and John Houston. Um, where Caviezel is stuck in prison on an island, right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what this movie is. And it's one of the great movies. And he gets trained there not to be in depression. Right? Okay. John Houston trains him to stop thinking the way he was thinking. He's in prison. I don't remember this movie because I didn't pay attention because I don't know how to stop and enjoy a good moment in my life. That's right. And it isn't just you. We all do. (laughs) Um, You know. But I, I understand what you're saying. And, 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 and let me, let me just paraphrase for, for those of you who are, are listening or watching. So are you saying that no matter what it is in the course of your day, you could take a few minutes to just stop and be grateful for where you are. Yes. And that's an, and as a matter of fact is um, what Solomon says. That's right? not easy. No, it is easy. That's no yeah, hard. But... Hard is climbing Mount Everest without an oxygen tank. Right. Hard is fighting in Yemen. Yeah. Running for your life in Sudan. Sorry. No, it is easy. The Count of Monte Cristo for anybody who wants to watch it. Ah, okay. Hand me mine too. I I have a note. I I have something I want to read. The reason why I say it's not easy is because I think... You just have to retrain your mind. Right, right. And honestly, there's some pretty deep science 
around retraining your mind. You know, when a lot of us are conditioned to think a certain way and then life reaffirms and supports that conditioning. So right or wrong, whatever way that your mind has been shaped and conditioned to think, for many of us, we have to reshape it and recondition it so that we meditate on the word of God and that we focus on Christ because that's the only way that then our mind will begin to process things differently. For example, another one of my favorite scriptures, and I mention it a lot here on Girl Club or anything I'm doing is, you know, be ye continually transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, don't be transformed by the world, right? Because that's what the world, every day, I think we wake up and everything we hear from outside of our cocoon, okay, back to the cocoon and a butterfly. And now you're in that place of transition, that dark bubble, that cocoon that is you and God and your struggles and your thoughts and your questions and your doubts and your fears. And I told you the struggle in the cocoon get, gives the butterfly's wings its strength, right? It's, it's everything in there that affects how you emerge the colors, the brightness of your color, the beauty that you shine with. So in that place, your mind is being transformed. In that place, the butterfly is being transformed from this kind of ugly little creature into this beautiful creature. And it's interesting because the, the Bible affirms that that transformation is continual. And it also affirms that the world is also trying to transform us. The world doesn't really want you to get in a cocoon and come out better. The world, the enemy, wants you to get in a cocoon and die. You know, he wants you to partner with those horrible thoughts about your life and why you're in a cocoon so that you quit, that you throw in the towel, and that you literally, if you do make it out of the cocoon, you come out polluted and bitter and damaged and unfit for the purposes that you're called for. I'd like to know what you think, you know, what you think that, that, well, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to process whether or not you actually ever have fear. Like, have you ever felt yourself in a cocoon of transition or a cocoon where you're struggling and you're trying to emerge something different? You know, I think that years ago, um, in my walk with the Lord, I, um, and I've told you this before, my typical greeting when somebody asked me how I was doing. Now, keep in mind, I mean, I worked in a very secular world, you know, I was around a lot of Christians as well because I was always in the ministry mm -hmm. one way or another. But my standard reply to how I, you know, when people ask you how you're doing was I have eternal life. Now, how are you doing? Well, I have eternal life. Now, when you're going through hard times, that, that sounds really good to my heart. When I have good times, it's actually hard to remember that that is the most important thing. 
Yeah. When someone says, how are you doing? And you're doing really well in the world or even really well in the ministry. It doesn't matter if I'm doing well in the ministry. It matters. I have eternal life. And I honestly went for a year and a half doing this until I realized I was really annoying some people by answering them the same way every time when they really wanted to know the rest of it. Right. Right. And I also realized it had become kind of trite in my own heart to just say it, but well, yeah, it trained my brain. It rearranged my brain to remembering at all times that I have eternal life. No matter Hmm. what situation I find myself in, I've laid a foundation and that foundation is I'm living for eternity and all of you can't take that away from me. Right. You can't take away the prize I wanted. Gave you confidence. Yeah. Well, that knowledge gives you confidence. I want to read Solomon. It's just one verse. Ecclesiastes 11. Mm. Um, Well, I better start in seven. Truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that comes is vanity of the world, that is. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. In other words, Rejoice and enjoy them, but not in a way where you're going to be judged. Well, Old man, even if you live a lot of years, don't forget the days of the darkness. Like he is saying to all of us, rejoice. Rejoice correctly. But he says, he says. This he, from a guy who rejoiced incorrectly. Right. But he says, walk in the ways of your heart. But without being in it, doing it in a way where you're going to be judged, because he says, but remember, you're going to be judged. Hmm. Wow. That's deep, you know, because the word also says that, you know, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? He says, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. And of course, the end of the whole book, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And there you go. There's the conclusion of the wisest man that's ever lived. Wow. And, but don't forget it throughout Ecclesiastes, he's saying, have you worked and made a lot of money? Well, you're just going to watch it fly away. So you better enjoy it. Stop and smell the roses, basically. Right. Yeah. But what about for, you know, listeners who are just lonely? Maybe they're lonely or maybe they they don't know what to do next with the life that they have left. A hundred percent agree. All we're talking about is in the middle of that. Take the minute with your Lord and rejoice in what you have. Yeah. You know, the reality is that uh, in this Some of you might find this to be true, but the reality is that when I take the moment alone with the Lord, it usually shifts the whole day away from the, the, you know, the 
feeling of loss or the feeling of despair or hopelessness or directionless or whatever it is, directionlessness, whatever it is, right? It can take you from living from yourself to living for him. Mm-hmm. And well, when that shift happens. I think it's even deeper. I think it takes you from living for yourself to living, period. I agreed. And it may take you, let's say you don't have anything to do, no job, no whatever. But now you have no job for the Lord. Now it's on him and not on you. Lord, you know I have no job. Mm. You know I'm stuck in this situation. You know I'm here. Or, Lord, you know what my dream is. Lord, you know that this needs to grow or that needs to grow. You know, Lord, you know that I want a new husband. Lord, you know, a lot of, we have single girl club members, you know, widows who would like to be married again. Of course. You know, and I think the most authentic thing that you can do is just take that to God and talk to him about that. A hundred percent and give it to him. Because even in that situation where there's a guy or girl that's single and wanting companionship, desperate people are not the most attractive people. Right. And when you give it to the Lord, you're no longer desperate. Right. Right. A lot of women have waited, got the right man later in life, only to say, man, wow, let me let me say it this way. Remember COVID and we all locked down. Remember COVID? I don't think we'll ever forget it, man. <laughs> Could you imagine if we knew how long we were going to be locked down? Oh, yeah. We would have watched more TV. <laughs> well, I'll give you a front. I'll say this. No, we probably would have gone somewhere different and had a very long vacation. Yeah. Because God provided for us. Yeah. During the time. And somehow, miraculously, we all made it through. Right. Well, those of us that are here. Right. Made it through. Right. We would have, if we knew how long everything was going to go on pause. And, you know, with our situation, all my projects went on hold. Yeah. They all just stopped. Mm-hmm. I had no architecture to do. None. Yeah. If we only knew that it was all going to be okay. Better than okay. But we do know it's going to be okay. We forget it's going to be okay. Well, we're supposed to know it's going to be okay. Right? Believers. Right. We're supposed to have faith, right? And it it always looks weird. In the book of Revelation, God talks to Ephesus first. And he says, you've done all these great things. You remembered all these great things, but you left your first love. Right. And if you don't return to your first love, which of course is the Lord, I'm going to take your church away. Then he goes on to Smyrna. Now Smyrna is only 45 miles north of Ephesus. And he says to Smyrna, you're about to go through tribulation. In fact, you've been going through tribulation. And Satan is going to throw a lot of you in jail. And you're going to die. Well, there's a pretty picture. Ephesus is 45 miles away. They repent. And there's never stopped being a church in Ephesus Mm. from Revelation till today. There's still a church there. 
Wow. They returned to their first love. Smyrna got wiped out. Wow. And they didn't leave their first love. In fact, they're the only church that really nothing negative is said of. Wow. I'm going to ask you, I guess it's kind of a sidebar question. So they're the highest. Right. But they're gone. Right. In the Western church, we've kind of been the highest, you know, the standard of church around the world for a long time. I'm curious to know what your take is on where we are. Are we in a season of pruning? I mean, not compared to the church in Sudan. Right. Yeah, that's real. Or Iraq. Right. Even China. Yeah. You know, Christian church, even in Jordan and Turkey and all that, it's fine. There's no problem. Russia, whatever. Right. But there's many other places like China and other places we've been naming just now where it is, you know, more people are being murdered there than ever before. And, uh, you know, it's... I do think, though, that the Western church has become rather lukewarm. And I do think that COVID, I think the lockdown period where the church found itself not able to gather. And so people found new ways to worship online. And I mean, I've been there since the beginning of my ministry. People thought I was crazy. They're like, you're streaming and you're selling online. Like, really? Like they were still selling DVDs at conferences. (laughs) I'm like, you guys, young people don't. They're not watching in in that way anymore, you know, but I mean, I think that those, that these things that we've lived through as the church, as the body of Christ has been a very, an interesting sort of pruning. It's very light pruning though, is what I'm saying. It is light pruning. It's very light pruning. It's, It's amazing that we're sitting here saying that COVID and the whole pandemic period for the church has been light pruning. It is. Yeah, but Very it is. Light. Yeah. Very light pruning. There's worse that we could that we could go through. Christians aren't being thrown in jail. Not not in the West. Right. Right. You know. Right. Do you believe that identity, which is ultimately, I believe, what spiritual pruning is about? Do you <clears throat> believe that identity is the biggest problem or the biggest internal crisis that people have. Yes, Ben, it's because they don't read the Bible. If they don't read the Bible, they're not going to innately have in them. God talks, you know, through the Holy Spirit, but God has already spoken with scripture and you don't know what God's like. Uh, until you're faced with reading scripture. When God says he's a jealous God, that just sounds bad to us in our culture. Yeah. It just sounds, as a matter of fact, taken out of context, much of what God says sounds narcissistic and... and, uh, Bigoted, you know. No, 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 no. to some people, much of what God says when taken out of context sounds 
racist, bigoted, and chauvinistic. Yeah, but he's always a good father. And uh, Oh, I know that. But if you take these things out of context, I mean, look, let's talk about the chauvinistic part. How many people, I was one of those people who was under a complete and total misunderstanding about the scripture that says wives submit to your husbands. I didn't understand the entire chapter, the entire teaching there. It wasn't about, oh, wives, you're second-class citizens, women, you're nothing, submit to your husbands. Ooh, Christianity is a, is a, you know, a, a very chauvinistic, macho kind of religion that doesn't exalt women. I was like, I'll never do that. I'm not submitting to a man. Well, well in reality, when I came to understand what was being said there, God is teaching us that the lesson of how we're the bride of Christ and we're waiting for the great wedding feast of the lamb where Jesus comes back as the groom. This is all spiritual allegory here, but Jesus comes back as the groom and marries and saves and redeems us, his bride, the bride being all of us, the church, Christians around the world, believers, the body of Christ. And so the rest of that scripture says, you know, wives submit to your husbands, but Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church so much so that he died for her. When you actually take all of it in context and you understand what's being said, you realize that Christianity is the most pro-female religion ever on the planet, that it supports us. That Now, I mean biblical Christianity. I think in the actual church around the world, I think that there has been abuse of women and it, so. yes. And it looks like a single parent household where it's only men with churches and women are like in kids church or, or, you know, the pastor's wives are, you know, hanging out. I don't know, talking to each other. And I was never that chick. I was the girl that hung around with my dad. I went to business meetings with my father. I even tell my husband a lot of the times like, Hey, you know, we're going out to dinner. Don't you just go off and talk to the guys and leave me with the women. I don't even know if I like these women. I need to meet them and know. I don't know what they believe. I don't know, you know, and and I was just being real with you. Like, I don't like how the church, especially, you know, I can't even say the Western church only. It's all over the world. There, There's not enough moms in the household with dad, you know, raising the children and And I think that we have to remember, and it's not to usurp my role as a woman and your role as a man, because I love being a woman, you know, and I like the role that men have. You're stronger than me. I'm not going to try to arm wrestle you, but I can arm wrestle you with my mind. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, tried to arm wrestle me, too. Uh, maybe I would try. I have photos. Yeah, I would try. But 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 understand we're joking now. But, you know, look. The reality is that, you know, we're created equal and God loves us all. And in our identity, part of the confusion, at least, no, I think it's part of the confusion for men and women, not just women. Part of the confusion that we walk in today is the lack of an understanding of who we actually are as men and as women and the mutually exclusive, independent, identity-driven roles that we have in our respective lanes and they're equal and they're powerful. And when they work together, we populate the earth. Right. I think also 
unfortunately, um, and it's carried down till now, you know, in English, when you read the Bible, you know, the King James translations, phenomenal translation, amazing translation. The accuracy is, is really incredible. Yes. But, 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 but if, cause you know, I always say if no, it just, were for King James, I would not be saved. It was too difficult for me to understand. In the early days. I'm not making that point. I'm making a okay. different point. Okay. In the King James, they were, they shifted a lot of meanings to be more male centric. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have a word mankind. It means all of us, men, women, children. People don't like that word because it has the word man in it. But what they don't understand, and this is virtually true, basically in every language, like in Greek, there's three words. One for man, one for woman, and one for mankind. That word is anthropos, where we get anthropology from. Okay? When, every time that word gets translated, it'll get translated ma'am. Even though... Mm. It's the word for all of mankind. In the beginning, when God named Adam, Adam, when he created Eve, it says, and he called them Adam. Because the word Adam means man. It is the same word in Hebrew. When God says, and he called them man, them, both of them, man, Mm -hmm. it's the word Adam. Wow. So Adam is the word man. Where does, what about human? Where does that? That's the word man for all mankind is Adam. Human. There is no other word. Adam's name was the word for all of mankind. Wow. I am Adam. Right. So God names both of them Adam. It's Adam that gives her the name Eve. Because she's the mother of all living. It says, wow, right. So this is where the, let's call it translation confusion, but it's not any, any language in any um, ancient language expert would know this, right? This is very common. This isn't like, you know, you learn this probably first year. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, you know, this is why some translations uh, you'll see, where in King James, it says man, it says men and women. Right. Now, this is why understanding our identity in Christ is so critical to your survival on this planet in any circumstance, under any attack, in any season. You have to know to whom you say you belong. If you say you belong to Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've chosen to embrace this faith or it chased you and pursued you until you embrace it because you know that it's real, you know, for some of us, it's it's that. You know what I mean? I I, I love the scripture that says, I made my bed in, bed in hell and there you were. You know, if I make my bed in heaven, there you are. Basically, I mean, I love that scripture because it really broke down for me uh, the importance of a time in my life where I felt like, Everywhere I went, everything I did, I couldn't get away from the reality of God. I felt like he was pursuing me. You know, I call it the relentless pursuit of God. And a lot of you understand what that's about. You know it. 
You may be experiencing it right now, the relentless pursuit of God. It's a beautiful thing, you know, and if you choose to surrender to it, it gets more and more beautiful, but you won't be able to remain surrendered to it, happy in it and blessed by it unless you dive in and read the word of God, the owner's manual that he created for us to understand his entire pursuit of us. He wants us to understand who we are. He wants us to understand why he sent his son to die for us. He wants us to understand why, even though we as his kids down here hate each other, judge each other, laugh at each other, try to project a bunch of stuff on each other, he's outside of all of this offering us a single invitation to give our lives to him so that he can reveal himself to us and that he can save us. And he saves us repeatedly. You know, uh, we're saved. Yes. I think there's this big, you know, salvation moment and repentance period, but then we're saved constantly, continually. I mean, I've had moments where I, I, you know, I'm saved by his grace over and over and over again. You know, we, we, we talked about being blinded by his grace. You know, that's, 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 that's when you realize like, oh my goodness, he's reaching out of the heavens down into my mess, down into this cocoon for a lot of us, down into this transition season, this dark place, this lonely place, this isolated place. He's reaching in and he sees me. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. I think foundational things are when you lose sight of your foundation. And that's what I always try and go to the first thing first. Right. You can't know your identity. You know, people will be like, Roger, you know, I was molested. I was raised um, like this in a strict household or where there were no rules or all sorts of things, you know. Um, and I, and, and it's made me be who I am today. It's a cop out. Who you are, isn't your circumstances or your experiences. It's not what you do. Right. It's not what you've been through. Right. Who you are is who God made in your mother's womb. It's still your choice. Yes. We do get trained. If we have parents, both of which are have fear issues, mm-hmm. you're going to be trained to have fear issues. Right. It isn't saying that, but you are not a fearful person because God doesn't make fearful people. Bingo. Right. Got you it. are not a product of your circumstances, contrary to psychologists. Hmm. Well, you are the product of who God made you to be. And when you came out of the womb, that is who you were. Period. End of story. There is nothing added to that. But we don't know who we were when we came out of the womb. Sure. Because we're infants. That is correct. So it's up to you and the Lord to get back there. David said he restores my soul. To what? To who he made in the first place. So the only way you can discover who he made in the first place is to read the word. Correct. Is to know what God says about who you are. And then the only way 
and to know him because he'll tell you who you are. Right. Right. You know, I'm having, a, uh, we're both actually having an incredible experience of our uh, niece, Summer, who, um, for all of you who are regulars, you know, she's, she joins us uh, in and out of Girl Club um, as part of our regular tribe because she's, you know, she's 21, 22 years old. And and I, I, I wanted this show to represent the different ages and experiences yeah. and that we are, you know, I, I've experienced divorce and ab- abuse and being married and restored. And I'm a mother and I've been, I was a single mom for a long time, you know, really I was a single mom for longer than I've been a married mom. It's, it's about, it's getting about equal right now. You know, it's getting about equal. And, um, and, and, and Summers, she's, you know, it's all in front of her. You know what I mean? She's 21, 22. She's got such a fresh perspective of her faith. And, and then, you know, we have young moms, you know, Nova and Christina, uh, Christina Boudreau, who's in her early thirties and single, you know, I want, I want Girl Club to represent as best we can the many voices and experiences of women around the world. And that's always been my heart. I never knew that God would put together what Girl Club actually is because there was a moment looking at the screen. I looked at the different nationalities that we represent and the different cultures. And I just completely started laughing because I was like, you know what, God, you really have a sense of humor because I could not have created this in central casting. You just can't do it. You know, for those of you listening on podcast, you should join us one day and watch while we're in studio filming and bringing you this 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 broadcast because um, the kingdom of God is truly diverse and it's beautiful. And before Girl Club, my biggest complaint was I would sit on my program, The Sessions, which filmed uh, and airs on TBN and I would sit in London filming and I would often say to my husband, are there no Asian chicks in the kingdom of God? You know, why are there no black chicks who look like me in the kingdom of God? Oh, forget it. There can't be any Indian women in the kingdom of God. Like it just, you know, there's no Latinas, right? And it was like a joke. But when I look at Girl Club, I realize like God knew my heart was to actually show by example, the different kinds of women and cultures and, and people that love Christ. And so we joke about it all the time. You know, um, (laughs) we're the United Colors of Benetton and, um, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And while there are divisions in the world that we live in today, there are no divisions in the body of Christ, you know? We are all the same color, blood red, bought bought with a price, you know, covered by the blood and looking for the same things, authenticity, boldness, courage to be who we are. I think it's very difficult to be who we are as Christians with other Christians a lot of the time. You know. Obviously, the scripture says there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, and there is no female, there is no slave, and there is no master. 
We are all one in Christ. So there is no difference in Christ. So I think our, our struggle isn't in Christ. When people carry the world over into Christ, because obviously in the world we're very different. Right. You know, um, we perform very different functions, you know? Yeah. Like being a mother. Yeah. Um, and so on. Yeah. You know, you can't nurse a mother either when you're a guy. And uh, many other things. So what we have is our identity, part of which is you're a woman and I'm a man. That's fine. But in in the, in the spiritual world, in our father who is in heaven, we are both the bride of Christ, as uncomfortable as that is for me. Right. And there is a misunderstanding that we have all the way around of these things that we need to separate. We need to understand the spiritual is different than the physical. Yeah. And we understand in the physical world, our bodies get tired. Jesus's body got tired. Jesus had to get alone with the father. You need to get alone with the father. Yeah. You had to stop and eat. You have to stop and eat. Yeah. You have to stop and take the moment. And there's a time to run. You know, like back to Solomon. In everything, there is a season. Right. There's a time to rejoice and there's a time to not rejoice. Right. You know, it'd be inappropriate to rejoice. Right. So be be just, you know, the scripture says discretion will preserve the man. Well, discretion is something um, that IT guys and people like that understand. They understand being discreet. It means to really line up things in their appropriate appropriate place. Obviously, partying in the, at a funeral is a bad thing. And so on. We need to be discreet with how we run our life. And even back to the wife submitting to the husband, that's about order. That's not about higher and lower. That's about God. He loves order. He loves order in the church. He loves order in the family. It's not about hierarchy. It's about order. It's about keeping things straight, so to speak. Yeah. And God loves to keep things straight. And that's fine. There's nothing to matter with that. Well, I know when things feel out of order in my life, uh, you know, everything feels shaky. Right. It's, it doesn't feel like God, you know. Yeah. But when Joseph was in prison, what was he like? Right. He was solid. He was still he Joseph. He ended up run, running the prison. Right. So look, and we have many examples of this in the scripture. Because, but see, but now back Paul to- Paul and Silas in prison. Right. What do they do? They sing worship songs. Right. But that goes back to identity. That goes back to, which is a great uh, place to begin wrapping up for this week. That goes back to knowing who you are. Exactly. Because Joseph knew who he was in the pit. Paul and Silas knew who they were in that prison cell. Moses knew who he was at a certain point, right? Like it's about knowing who you are. And when you know who you are, then if you're in a season of transition, if you find yourself in a wilderness, if you are in a cocoon and you feel like you're in this struggle alone, if you are feeling lonely, 
if you are feeling too old, if you are feeling all those things, then you know that those are feelings, but they have nothing to do with who God says you are. So all of the feelings that are coming against who God says you are, I would encourage you this week to make a list of who God says that you are, who he says that you are. And then when those feelings come in, you run that list. You speak that list out loud. And if you want a list a list of scriptural affirmations of who you are, send us an email. You know, send an email in to CynthiaGarrett.org and um, ask Anna to shoot you over my identity affirmations. We'd be happy to send it to you because I think it's really powerful to look at. I, I made a list of identity affirmations. You know, I am more than a conqueror. I'm the first and not the last. You know, I, I am a child of, of a living God, you know, knowing these things, knowing these things keeps you um, joyful in, in your darkest moments, even in jail, even in jail. And Joseph told his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Yeah. It's one of the things we got to keep in mind, whatever I'm going through, people might intend for bad reasons. But God has something good coming out of it. Which is amazing that he he wants to redeem and use everything. And only he can. And only he can. He's the only one that has the power. Right. Right. Well, I was going to read something to you, which is why I picked up my my notes here. But I think I'll, I'll, I'll save it for next week when I'm back with the girls. And for this week, I just, I just want to thank you for sticking around and hanging out with us. I, I often feel it's powerfully uh, good and a blessing for all of you to um, experience uh, the wisdom of the man that I am blessed to spend my life with. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> it, was, it was good having you here today. Oh, thank you. And um, for the rest of you, um, I really want you to, I really want you to write down. I really, I really do. I want you to make a list this week of who God says you are. You know, who, who does God say that you are? And honestly, get real quiet with yourself if you can in the mornings or at night before you go to sleep and just sit and ask him and all of what he says about you. Don't think it's your voice complimenting yourself and get, put all that away. Just write it down. I promise you, you're going to hear some amazing things and it's not just going to be you telling yourself, blowing yourself up. It's not, it's going to be the Lord because he really desires for us to be confident in him. And, and he desires for us to know that he speaks to us and the words that he speaks over us are powerful and positive and life affirming and they guide us. And yes, they sometimes prune us and rebuke us but it's only from a place of love because he wants us to be all that we can be. And so I am grateful for that. And I probably have to sit in the word 23 out of 24 hours a day to keep myself strong in some seasons, but I think that's probably okay too. So I'm Cynthia Garrett. Thank you for watching Girl Club. Thank you for listening. And um, again, you can find and join us in the dialogue at Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel. 
or you can go to CynthiaGarrett.org and find out how to do that and all things about Girl Club and all things about the sessions, my TV program um, on TBN and um, whatever else we're up to here at CGM and um, support us by sharing and commenting and requesting and um, and helping us to do what we love doing, which is be a part of your journey as you seek to apply real faith to your life. Until next week, I'll see you. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter and two men leave because... That's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.